And today joining us from Cambridge, Massachusetts is Carlo Ratti with the MIT Sensible City Lab. Carlo, thank you for joining the Urban Futures podcast. Thanks a lot. Pleasure to be with you. Let's talk about the Forum on Future Cities and Urban Intelligence that was organized by the MIT Sensible City Lab and the World Economic Forum this past April in Cambridge. What do you think were the key takeaways there? Uh, I, I would say the key takeaway is that, um, you know, first of all, it was a good, uh, a lot of attendance from all over the world. And uh, one of the exciting things is that we had people from the private sector, the public sector, academics, researchers, and so on. So really, I think that in order to look at citizen changes happening today, we need to be all together. So it's about collaboration between cities, but also inside the city between different uh, different parts of um, different parts to society. So uh, I think that was probably the, the key takeaway. And we see how governments are changing the rules of the game and really reinventing urban planning, which is a field you have done extensive work on. Why don't you tell us what the Sensible City Lab is about and what is the vision there for using data to create change? Yeah, we, <clears throat> we believe that um, uh, today we really have uh, much more knowledge about cities and a lot of this knowledge comes from the ability to collect an unprecedented amount of data and, uh, and so we can use the data to better understand, design and ultimately live in cities. So we are exploring all of this at Sensible City Lab again in a very interdisciplinary way with people coming from planning, architecture, design but also with a lot of scientists, uh, you know, physicists, uh, complex science uh, uh, researchers and so on. Um, and also with people from the social sciences. So again, you know, it's about collaboration between different disciplines. Governments are trying to understand how data can be used and deployed within cities. What do you see are the key drivers uh, of this new age of urban intelligence? As we were saying, you know, I think data is crucial in your know, data can from the ability to use sensors. Sometimes, you know, sensors are deployed for other reasons, such as smartphones and so on. Sometimes, you know, sensors that we deploy ad hoc in cities. But so that becomes the way to get data. And data then is the beginning of, uh, you know, all the analysis that we can develop and uh, that can help us better understand what is going on in the urban environment. And the new urban intelligence has to do with the idea of how to integrate citizens and the creation of feedback loops. You, within the Sensible City Lab, work in multiple projects. One of these projects is called Treepedia. And what Treepedia does is that it explores the tree canopy in cities around the world. My question to you is, what is uh, Treepedia doing to connect um, the natural environment and the built environment and how do you reconcile these data-driven artificial networks that are deployed today in cities? Sure. Um, well, you know, Tripedia is really also about collecting data from cities. And in this case, we've been using data initially collected from Google, uh, by Google through Street View, and, uh, and then using artificial intelligence on all these kind of visual imagery from cities all around the world in order to create map of trees. And you know, that's uh, something we did initially from a research point of view. Then we created a platform where people can actually look at different cities and all the trees are mapped. Because believe it or not, in many cities, you know, there's not a comprehensive map of all the green areas. So the interesting thing is when you do it, um, that allows you to better understand the situation of the city and then to see how it can be improved and changed. 
So that's, um, that was really the principle behind TRIPID. And we are very excited that that created a lot of feedback loops with citizens. So every day we got people from all over the world uh, sending us emails and saying, well, you know, could you analyze my city or, you know, could you tell me a bit more about, um, about you know, how my city compares with others? So it becomes a way to measure green spaces in cities as a first step in order to make change. Mm. Mm. Can I ask something? Hey, hi, Carlo. Here is uh, Marco from Helsinki, uh, which is considered to be quite green in terms of my, how much uh, green space here is is in in an all of the urban space. I think what uh, attracts me with, with this type of a project is that that you first of all you you create this kind of a data because without data you 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 cannot sort of a set uh, any meaningful goals so uh, and obviously what you, what you were saying that uh, that many cities uh, still are missing this kind of a critical information and, and I would probably add to that that even those that have data it's 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 not uh, of a very very high quality particularly when it comes to the okay it's green but what type of the functions there are are people happy about it, or if not, what's the problem? And and so uh, my point here is that when we move to this more kind of a data-driven urban planning, um, the question is that what is the type of the data that uh, that we are actually looking at then? Uh, and, and I would like to hear your um, opinion about that. That what exactly is the type of the data that that would be um, a kind of a step forward in our ways, how we are managing this uh, green aspect of uh, urban development. Yeah, if I understand correctly, your question is really about feedback loops. And you know, what we see is that the, um, the, the thing we should do as researchers, as designers, is look at the possible different ways to understand the city or transform the city. But then really we should do this in an open way to make sure there's a feedback loop with citizens so that ultimately they are the ones who can respond to this and decide what type of city to live in tomorrow. It's really the idea to use design and in in, in research in a speculative way, in a way to speculate about how cities really could be transformed and then use that as the beginning of a conversation with uh, citizens as a whole. One of the challenges we face today is how to go back to being human-centric. And that includes bringing nature back and uh, the intelligence of nature back into the city. How do you see that a project like Treepedia create a linkage between humans, technology, and the built environment? Well, no, as I was saying, it's a bit like what we were saying before. It's about creating feedback loops. So what you really want to do is uh, expose new potential about how to transform the city. Um, and then, you know, get people's feedback. Now, people's feedback can happen in different ways. We are seeing with Tripedia, sometimes people are saying, well, I really want to know about my city so I can put pressure on, on the elected politicians, on the mayor. So the feedback happens through politics in that way. In other cases, we've seen, you know, projects that will just inspire some startups to launch an idea and to turn it into an urban service. You know, urban tech today is very vibrant. Uh, Richard Florida, who is a professor at Toronto, and we, we are collaborating on a few projects. He recently uh, did an article quantifying the amount of urban tech uh, on the planet, and he, uh, he arrived to a number 
showing that actually urban tech today is bigger than biotech, uh, pharma, or AI. So, so you know, urban tech is a big uh, area, and so the, the fact of having ideas that can be de developing to startups through urban tech and in many other ways. So there are different ways to close the loop, to get feedback from citizens. Uh, it happens uh, through different channels and also at different speeds. Sometimes it's a, it's a long-term feedback, you know, about planning the city maybe 10 years from now. Sometimes it's something very quick about, you know, maybe citizens helping to fix a problem in the next 24 hours in the city they live in. So it's all about, yes, you know, this kind of flows of information that create feedback loops. And you have described the creation of feedback loops as being enabled by those connections that happen between humans and the built environment, empowered by computers, algorithms, and technology. I am wondering how we are going to move people from just being operators and inputting data uh, to really change the perception of the space and the direct environment. Um, what is the next step and how are we going to shift into a more sustainable actions down the road? Yeah, sure. But I, I, you know, it's yeah, a little bit like what we were saying, saying before that um, it's about, um, you know, anything from being an informed citizen. So looking at, you know, what is the discussion about transforming the city, about different things, about future planning, about all the process going on and using new technologies to provide a more informed voice in that and you know again using data in order to do data-driven planning uh, and also looking at um, um, <clears throat> how uh, you can uh, use the network itself in order to make sure that your voice is heard so it can go anything from that you know to being more active and you know being the one who actually will start different initiatives um, again as we were saying you know the field of urban tech allows a lot of people to to basically become in quotes entrepreneurs in the of the city in the city um, so I think you know there's, there's many different ways to close the loop which I think are kind of defining a new new kind of citizenship um, which is you know uh, being helping really to shape the urban environment we live in Marco you have something to yeah yeah I'm I'm I, I'm really interested about this um, uh, notion of feedback because um, we could think that there are could be uh, many kinds of feedback loops. The one one is this um, uh, kind of a feedback that you can uh, if you, if you provide this stuff the platform uh, where you start to collect feedback, uh, 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 obviously from various stakeholders. That's one thing. Then the second thing is that how this feedback that you get from there is then conveyed uh, to the decision makers of the city. Um, and and how is that going to happen? Uh, uh, so um, so um, cities in most part of the world and in most of the cities are very centrally led organizations, and that's the kind of a culture of the cities in many ways. So so what what type of the bottlenecks you you see in this uh, in this uh, kind of a transformation to use these various deep, uh, feedback uh, loops uh, that would really feed in to actual decision-making of the city? No, I think your, your point is very important. Um, and for instance, you know, just to give an example, a few years ago, a lot of apps developed 
that will allow citizens to take a picture and report to the city a problem they, they would see, say a pothole here and there, you know, some urban furniture, urban furniture that needs to be fixed, uh, uh, some green that had the needed maintenance and so on. So people could actually uh, report this, but then what the broken link then was the fact then the city uh, not necessarily had, uh, not all cities had the ability to intervene. And so in many cities, actually citizens started, um, uh, you know, stop doing this just because they didn't see action taken at the different levels. So, mm. you know, this is kind of a very interesting thing because in this kind of feedback loops and nicer feedback loops, we need to make sure that there, there are no broken links. And sometimes you really need to engage, you know, citizens, researchers, startups, city governments, and you need to make sure that, you know, that everything that the loop kind of is, is closed and there's no broken links. And, you know, this example of the, this kind of online platform similar to 311 was a very good one because a lot of people in some cities where the feedback loop wasn't uh, fully happening lost interest and stopped doing that. And just to clarify, the 311 online platform is part of a new class of applications called 311 apps. And what they do is that they provide citizens with a phone number where they could dial in and report urban issues such as holes on the streets, trash they see, or, or any broken furniture or, or pavements that they see. And so from a local government perspective, it would be very interesting to know your views as to what governments should do in order to better manage the data and capitalize on the real benefit of it for the public and for the city in order to move forward. Yeah, I, I would say they need to do certainly a couple of the, the first things I would try to do are the following. Um, the first one actually need to look at silos inside the government, trying to break down some silos. For instance, uh, in many cities, the people dealing with data are in the IT department and they don't necessarily talk to the planning department. Well, today, some of the, you know, the greatest uh, potential that we see today is using data in order to change planning uh, of the city. You know, for instance, data can tell you better which uh, parts of the city are not working well, how, you know, new road, uh, new planning can, can help solve some of the problems. But, uh, but, you know, today in some cities, this is totally separated. Actually, Barcelona was one of the first cities a few years ago to combine the position of CTO or chief technology officer of the city with the position of uh, um, city architect. So the guy could be behind the planning of, uh, of the city. So you know, breaking down those silos is going to be very interesting. Uh, you know, we have a new world where data is going to inform a lot of uh, decision making. So making sure that, that is accessible to all departments is, is vital. And uh, in addition to that, as we were saying before, I think we want to make sure that um, also there's better connection with citizens. And so that creates those feedback loops. So be it that, you know, input from citizens is taken into account. It can be collaborative, participatory budgeting. Uh, it can be about uh, ideas of how to improve the city and so on. So making sure that kind of those feedback loops happen uh, in a seamless way. So I would say this could be the two initial things to, to begin with. Carlo, one of the biggest problems that we face today is urban inequality and the fact that not everybody has a access to a mobile phone or not everybody is able to manipulate a mobile phone and keep up with the management of it. Um, I'm wondering, how do you address that issue uh, and the fact that everybody should be able to contribute equally to transform their environment? 
Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure that the mobile phone is the issue anymore now. I think on the planet we got more mobile phones than people overall. Um, but I think the issue of access to new technologies in general is very important. I think at the beginning, maybe 20, 30 years ago, mobile phones were just a preserve of the, the, the Western elite. But now actually they are very interesting because they're helping you know, entire populations to leapfrog, uh, you know, to jump ahead of those who were ahead before. Um, so I don't think it's about mobile phones anymore, probably. But uh, yes, there's uh, a lot of uh, inequalities, different type of inequalities. I, uh, we're, you know, also looking at uh, inequalities in the way people have access to the city, uh, you know, can access different parts of the city. Um, you know, there, there's cities in which there's so much segregation that not everybody has access to uh, to the same, uh, even to the same public space or the same green. Mm -hmm. right. So, so it is very important. And again, it's something where data can help us a lot. We we have a project at the moment where we are looking at um, uh, data collected from uh, social media and uh, from telecommunication networks in order to measure segregation in cities, integration and segregation. And again, that's the first step in order to see how we can correct some of the issues we face today. And I want to quickly point out at another project you are working on, which is called the City Nature Challenge. And the project is about mapping biodiversity in cities around the world. Um, I want to know if you can just say a few words about the project and also what you think have been the main gaps uh, that you have found. No, I think in this particular project, um, this was kind of another way of engaging citizens, engaging citizens as people who can help to scan the city and, and describe what is what is going on. So I would say um, I I don't think I wouldn't talk about particular gaps, but here is really more about yes, you know, making giving awareness to these type of projects and making sure that people can become part of uh, you know the, 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 the they can take an active role in really better understanding the place they live in. Carlo, your recent publication is called The City of Tomorrow, Sensors, Networks, Hackers, and the Future of Urban Life, which is a great introduction to urban initiatives and concepts shaping our environment today. It's also an invitation to co-create and to look at urban technology in a very different way. And with that, I want to ask you, fast forward 2050, how do you see the built environment being very different than what it is today? Yeah, so I, I, I don't think that the city, the physical city, will be incredibly different. You know, uh, as humans, we, we will always need horizontal floors for livings, you know, facades to protect us from the elements, windows to look outside and so on. Um, and, you know, the, the proof is that we are still living today sometimes in cities that were built 200, 500, 1,000, 2,000 years ago, uh, all over the world. So I think you know, there's kind of some kind of uh, recurrent themes of architecture that we've seen in the past and we'll keep on seeing in the future. Um, at the same time, the way of living in the city will be very, very different. Um, and, you know, the way of uh, meeting, of uh, meeting, of working, of shopping, of navigating the city. You know, think about how much it changed over the past 5, 10, 15 years. And in a similar way, it will change even more in the next uh, 5, 10, or, or 15. This concludes our episode, Systems Intelligence and Feedback Loops, 
shaping the cities of tomorrow. Thank you for listening. See you next time.